going to continue our series on the kingdom of God is like today, and uh, it is actually an extension on last week's service. So um, I just want—I'm not going to go through all the foundational stuff again. If you want to go and listen to it, we have a podcast which you can go and have a listen to. Uh, we started discussing what a, the kingdom of God is like because Jesus, when he came, he started talking about the kingdom of God a lot. In fact, that was his message. He came proclaiming that the the kingdom of God was near, and that we needed to repent. And, uh, you know, to get baptized and start following him. And there was all of these really big calls that happened with this guy, Jesus. And I think sometimes we forget that, that that was his message. The good news that the kingdom is coming. The good news that there's something fresh coming. I don't know about you. Do you ever have a moment where you wake up in this world and go, man, I wish it was different? (laughs) Like, you turn on the news and go, gee, I wish things were different. Because we look at around us and we see all the brokenness. And what Jesus was doing when he came back and said, the kingdom of God is near, he said, I'm going to bring a kingdom that's from heaven. I'm going to bring heaven to earth and you can experience it through me. And that in itself is something worth celebrating. That's good news. Because, man, there is some stuffed up stuff going on. Messed up stuff, broken stuff that's going on in our world. And we are not called to live in this world, but we're actually called to live in the kingdom. And so today we're going to be sort of unpacking and unfolding what it looks like for Jesus to be king and what he was trying to establish when he spoke. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 5, 17 through to 32 that he wasn't here to actually abolish the old Jewish law. He was actually here to fulfill it. He was actually here to unpack it and show us more of what the old laws were put in place for. And so I want to read this again. It's actually Matthew 5, 17 to 32. Jesus is speaking because everyone thinks, oh, new kingdom's coming, a new way of doing life. What are the new laws? And Jesus is like, actually, they're all the old ones, but I'm going to fulfill them. I'm going to make them make sense to you, give you clarity to why those laws were put in place. And if you abide by them and actually apply them in your life, you'll experience the kingdom of heaven. Really interesting. So he says this, Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. i got to tell you now, like that was a massive, massive call. You've got to be more righteous than the religious people of the time. We talked about it last week that these religious people though, yes, they were religious, but they weren't righteous. They knew how to do good works, but they actually had no relationship with God. And so righteousness was relationship. And you've got to understand that when Jesus was teaching, a lot of people came to see his teaching because they were trying to figure out, how are you going to overthrow the Roman Empire? How are you going to fulfill this law? And even the religious people came out to hear his teaching because they were like, we know there's 613 laws and you've just dropped that you're going to fulfill every one of them. And so from that moment forward, these guys were literally waiting for him to stuff up. We're going to watch you and we're going to go, yeah, okay, 613. Because they'd expanded on the Ten Commandments. Since the Ten Commandments, Moses gave the Ten Commandments, we talked about them last week. All of a sudden, the religious people, they've expanded the laws to 613. They had added a bunch more. And Jesus said, I'm going to fulfill them all. And the men and women, especially the religious people, they were like, man, let's just wait for Jesus to slip up. 
Let's see him stuff this up. And that's why you often see, if you read the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, you see this moment where he's often having arguments and conversations with religious people. They ask him about these laws because they're trying to catch him off guard. And so one of the ones that they loved to catch him off guard on was Shabbat or the Sabbath. All right? Everyone know about the Sabbath? God said, you need to have a Sabbath. Stop on the seventh day. You need to stop, have a rest. And it's interesting that we're going to unpack this because they're trying to catch him off guard. They really want to catch him off guard. And can I just tell you that Shabbat or the Sabbath is still something that's going on in Israel right now, uh, for those who don't believe in Jesus. And it's interesting that Jesus wants to highlight to these people, you're just trying to find loopholes to get out of the rules. Like, you actually are not following the rules, you're trying to find loopholes. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Like, this is what these people did. They had loopholes for everything. In fact, two years ago, in Jerusalem, we're there staying in a hotel on Sabbath, and we're like, oh, I'm not allowed to do any work, so I'm not allowed to push the button on the elevator, because that's work. So how do I get to my room? Well, they found a loophole, they just make everyone stop at every floor. You don't push buttons. Seriously, the Shabbat lift. (laughs) Truthfully. So everything has a loophole. So it's like, okay, I actually don't want to do what God said. I'm just going to find a way to get as close to what God said and get away with it. Ever seen a kid? Like, I remember this moment. One of my uh, nephews, his mom said, don't touch anything at the shop. I don't want you touching everything, all right? And my nephew, when he was about four, walked in the shop and started doing this. Tap, 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 tap. And his mum went off at him. goes, I told you not to touch everything. And he stops at one eye and goes, didn't touch everything. Tap, 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 tap. That's what we do. Right? So this is exactly what the law was happening. I mean, these people, that's what they were doing. Constantly finding loopholes. I went to a, uh, you know, a Passover dinner at James Adelia's house, and James was talking about the fact they weren't allowed any leaven in the house. So, you know, that, so what they would do is they would actually sell a portion of their house to a neighbour, and when it came to Passover, they put all their leaven stuff in that cupboard and they didn't own it. <laughs> Loophole. <laughs> Loopholes for God. How do we get away with it? Not how do we actually love God through the law. And so what actually happens is there's this moment where, you know, Jesus is out and about. And I want, to, I want to read this because it's actually to do with the Sabbath. And Jesus wants to highlight to these people, as you see, you can picture it, all these people out there going, he's going to fail, he's going to fail, he's just a Jewish guy, he's going to fail. And it says this, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. This is in Mark 2, 23 to 28. And his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees, the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, have you never read that David and those who were with him did uh, what they did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of um, Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to, accept, uh, to eat except the priests, and also gave some to his companions. So this is this old story about King David, super hungry, rocks up, just needs food, goes into this, you know, into the temple and starts eating, and it was completely breaking the law. And so Jesus brings this up. They all know this story. And then he says, then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Can you imagine? I just picture Jesus all the time. All right. Anyone watch the the Chosen series? If you haven't watched the Chosen, go download it. It's probably one of the greatest depictions of Jesus. I love the way that they actually show Jesus in this very human way, but at the same time, you're like, wow, brilliant. 
But I can just picture Jesus. I've always, every time I read the scripture, I see Jesus as just the man who's just having a laugh. You know, always kind of calling people out, but he's just sort of just little digs, just having fun, but at the same time bringing absolute truth. And he says, so, the, so then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He literally says to them, by the way, I own the Sabbath. Yeah, they crucified him. They didn't like that. But he highlights something I think we forget about the law. That God gave us the law for our benefit. For our benefit. That we would actually experience life and experience the kingdom of God here. That we would actually fulfill our life, our living on earth. We would have the greatest experience. You know, he said, I gave you the Sabbath so you can have a rest, so you don't die from exhaustion. That's why I said have a Sabbath. It wasn't for a rule. It was actually to give you something so you could have life and life to the full. And so Jesus is starting to unpack this kind of things. And it's just mind-blowing. It was for our enjoyment, for fullness of life. You know, these 613 rules were very hard to fulfill. Every day you would stuff up. Every day. In fact, if you tried to obey the 613 rules, you would fail within a moment. That was so hard. And so it's interesting that we find in Mark 12, 28, a scribe, a teacher, because he knows the 613. And so maybe in his mind, he's like, okay, so if you know all the laws, you're here to fulfill all the laws, um, I'm going to find out which one's the most important. Who else would do that? Like you're like, I'm going to fail at 611, so just give me two. Like, give me the most important one, I'll try to do that, and then we'll go back to the other 611, or the 612. And that's exactly what this scribe does in Mark 12, 28 to 34. One of the scribes approached, when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, once again, Jesus is arguing about the laws. Just, you know, he says, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is listen, Israel. He just points out, listen. You'll actually find multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, what that means, he said, I'm going to teach you something. If you don't have a spiritual ear to hear, this will just fall flat. Church, I want you to have a spiritual ear to hear today. I don't need you to have a physical, practical ear. I need you, God, have a spiritual ear. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, give a spiritual ear to hear. Because this is actually one of the most important, Jesus says it constantly. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. And so he says this, listen Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, God is just one. There is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. 630 laws, and he says, there's nothing bigger than this. There's nothing bigger than this. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one. So there is one God, he agrees. There's no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says this, these things, Jesus, are far more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So the scribe gets it. He says, you can do everything. 
You can bring all your sacrifices. You can bring all your stuff. You can look religious. You can come to church. You can give your tithe. You can sing really loud. You can put your hands in the air. You can dance around. You can pray big prayers. You can offer those sacrifices, but this is more important. This is more important. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. This series is about what's the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of God like for us to experience the kingdom of God on earth? Well, we're not far from it when we get that right. We're not far. You know, it's really important that we understand this moment where Jesus calls this out. You've got to understand that this moment wasn't just for the Jews 2,000 years ago, but it's actually for us Jesus followers today. Jesus sums it up, what's most important, how we can experience the kingdom of God on earth. When we live a life with these thoughts at the forefront of our minds, every day you wake up on a Monday before you go to work, you have it in the forefront of your mind. You're constantly asking yourself the simple question when outworking your actions towards people, the simple questions you're asking yourself, am I loving God with all my heart? With all my understanding, am I loving Him with all my thinking? With all my strength and energy, am I actually loving God? And do I actually love people around me the way I want to be loved? That has to be first and foremost in your mind. Before you do anything else, before you try and be a good Christian or try and do something religious, that should be in the forefront of your mind. Jesus alludes to the fact if you do all of these things first, all the other laws will fall into place naturally. It'll just happen naturally. You don't even have to try. It'll just happen. I'm thinking, God, do I love you? All of a sudden, I don't want to kill someone. It's pretty natural. God, do I love you with all my heart, my soul? I'm not going to lie to someone because it comes out naturally. It's very practical. It's very easy to follow Jesus when you just keep this at the forefront of your mind. And today, I want to read another scripture with this lens on, the lens of loving first, when you do everything faith-related. You know, Matthew 5 last week was a pretty full-on preach. It was solid. It was talking about forgiveness and that, mate, if you don't forgive, you've experienced, you're actually outworking murder, which was one of the Ten Commandments. Like, this is huge stuff. We talk about the fact that Jesus, when he speaks, the words hold incredible weight and they cause conviction. They kind of bring us to a place of God. Have I got it right? There was consequence even when he talked about it. He, says, he literally says, if you say to someone, hey, fool, this was last week, you're a fool, you may experience the hellfire. And it's like, whoa, okay, that's pretty heavy. You know... There's no doubt that Jesus' teaching will challenge us. But I want to encourage you, when you hear the words of God, understand that Paul, when he was in jail, he'd experienced all sorts of sufferings for the words of God. He literally drops in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what? You can overcome any of this stuff that we talk about through Christ. Not through your strong will, not through your self-discipline, not through uh, a 10-step program, but through Christ and a relationship with God. 
That's how we get through. Today, as I said, we're going to unpack a little bit more scripture because we want to understand what the kingdom of God is like. What's God's intention for our life? What if we are supposedly children of God and we actually have an inheritance in His kingdom, then what does the kingdom look like? What does kingdom living look like? You know, I want to point out that before we get any further, Jesus mentions that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's only through Him that we're saved, okay? Because this passage is hard. It's really hard. But I feel we need to read it because unless we read it, we're not actually allowing God to change us, all right? So Matthew 5.27, this is directly after he talks about murder. You can open your Bible if you want and read this yourself, write it down somewhere, put it on your phone. I mean, you can put it in your Bible if you like, Bella, that's great. It says this, Matthew 5.27, adultery. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. It was one of the top ten. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. (laughs) If you've never heard this passage before and you're first time to church, someone said, it's going to be great. You're probably looking at them right now going, why'd you invite me here? <laughs> it's like, it's so heavy. It's pretty full on, right? Um, I actually got to admit, like, this is a really hard one to stomach. Um, and maybe you're asking the question, as are you telling me that because of my lust, I'm going to a place of eternal torment and burning hell? It's a bit harsh, isn't it? I thought God was loving. but he loved me. And the answer to your question is, yes, God does love you. 100% he loves you. And he wants the best for us. I'm not going to lie, this passage is down the line and can be and appear to be so out of touch with 2021. 2021. Almost called it 2020. We're past that. I mean, this is a tough passage. I live on the Gold Coast. No one wears clothes. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> this passage is hard. Why are you wearing a bikini 15 kilometers away from the beach? (laughs) So this is really hard. (laughs) You know, it's funny, isn't it? We live in 2021. Turn on the TV, look at a billboard, look at an ad. It's like everything's sex. And it's like, how do I possibly live this life? But today's message is not one of condemnation, it's one of freedom. All right? Okay, so this is the message of freedom. Like sometimes people go, oh man, God just wants to kill my joy. No, 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 He wants to give you freedom. All right? So I want to unpack this scripture because it's actually from God's heart to us in 2021. You know? It's hard for us to understand, though, because sometimes we, we can't just picture it, it is just 2021. He's d- directly talking to us, right? And so when we read the Scriptures, we go, oh, Jesus is talking to me through the Scriptures. But we need to know the context of when Jesus is actually sharing this message, okay? We just, just go back a little bit. Jesus is a Jewish man who's a teacher, a rabbi, and people are coming to him for advice. 
They want to know about this new kingdom. And so he starts to talk about this idea of experiencing pain. And hell, if you don't, like cut off your arm, gouge out your eyes. It's better for that than to go into hellfire. Just so you know, when he mentions the word hell, it's actually a word Gehenna. It's a Greek word Gehenna. And Gehenna is actually a literal valley outside the city gates. So I just want to stop there for a moment. He's actually saying to the Jewish people in this moment, hey, you know the place outside the city gates, you know it well. It is horrendous. It's actually where they say a fire never went out because they would throw everything that was dead there. It would get consumed and burned up and because it was a place where dead bodies would be thrown, there was always maggots. So you know, we get this idea of hell, okay? So he's saying, hey, if you don't get on top of this, you're going to experience something like the place you don't want to go. Understand that the city of God inside the walls is where you want to be. That's where the king resides. Nothing good happens outside the city gates. Nothing good. You don't want to go there. In fact, this space and place that Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, if you let lust get into your heart, it is the seed of adultery. And it will keep on growing and eventually it will destroy you and you will experience something similar to what's going on outside the city. That's what he's saying. You know, it's interesting, Jesus actually uses what we call hyperbole, like exaggeration, to point out, because you're like, literally some of you going, I need to go chop off a hand. <laughs> like, Man, I'm just driving around the Gold Coast, get me a fork, puck out my eyes. I just remove them. I just, you know, I'm human, I'm blind now, okay? Like, I would lose 40 kilos in a day. Like, it's just, it's, it's that Beck's just going, what are you talking about? <laughs> but Jesus is actually using these examples to highlight the severity, the seriousness of this stuff. This stuff matters to God. It will kill you. Lust is a trap. Ever seen someone fall into a trap? You're like, don't do it. And you see it, you're like, oh... Lust is a trap. And it leads to all sorts of things. Jesus actually was giving a very practical teaching. Very practical in this moment. As I said, this place, Gehenna, was literally a place for Jerusalem's trash dump. Fires would burn. It was a place where sin happened. Jesus was saying, man, if you don't get on top of this, life will burn. Sin will bring hell into your life. It will bring hell into your life and it will not go out. Jesus highlights that the issue of lust is actually an issue of the heart. As I mentioned, lust is the seed planted in the heart that produces adultery. Just like last week, we talked about anger produces murder, it's a seed. It's a seed. Jesus is pointing to us in this moment that sin leads to death, as we mentioned before. And it burns like that rubbish tip, that the fire that never goes out. You know, I don't know you, but I do know this. Anyone here who has experienced the burn of a relationship breakdown due to the issue of lust or adultery, I can guarantee you, you can testify to the fact it hurts. It burns. 
and it has long-lasting effect. Long-lasting effect. You know, it's an area that I think we don't talk about because 2021 is so sex-fueled and adultery is something that is not talked about because, well, let's be honest, Channel 9, we've made a mockery of marriage. I see you, I marry you, I sleep with you, I don't like you, I sleep with you, I don't like you, I sleep with you. Makes great TV, but gee, it burns. For those involved, it burns. It burns and burns and burns and burns. And we keep on heaping on more and more and more and more because we try and justify it. Jesus wants to give us another way. And I just want to say right now, if you've made a fa- if you failed in this area, I put up my hand and agree. I also have. We've all made our mistakes. In fact, if there's one thing when I was preparing this message this week, I kept reminding myself that we are all one step away from stuffing up. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need you. There's actually good news for us today. There's good news for us today, church. Christ, with Christ, you can overcome these challenges. You can overcome these challenges. We can be forgiven for these moments of our lives that have led to our demise. You can be restored to the rightful place you deserve. You can be brought back into the city. Last week, we talked about Jesus said, I am the gate What is a gate? Are we picturing a little gate in it? No, no, a gate into the city, the kingdom of God. You can enter back into me. There is safety in the city, restoration in the city. The kingdom is in the city. But it'll take a change of heart. A change of your thought life. It'll take a change from the inside out. It will require all of our strength. Jesus showed us through his teaching the way to overcome these challenges and experience his kingdom. We read about it before. The first thing to do that Jesus says, if you want to be able to fulfill the law, you want to experience the kingdom, the first thing you need to do is love the Lord with all of your heart. All of your heart. He brings up that murder and adultery are an issue of the heart. When you give Him all your heart, the issue subsides because your focus is on Him. He actually goes on to say, love me with all your heart. But He also says, love me with all of your soul. Or otherwise, you could say it like this. Would you give Him every part of your innermost being, the hidden places that no one sees? the core of who you are. It's interesting, when you love God with all your mind and all your thoughts, your focus isn't on your fleshly desires, but on how can I please you, Jesus. Use all your energy, all of your strength. All of a sudden, when you actually do that, the the laws don't seem so hard interesting the second you take your eyes off of Jesus though when you start to forget to love God that's when the other stuff creeps in again 
because we're in a war. Not against flesh and blood, but spiritual stuff going on. The second you let your guard down, trust me, all of a sudden, the seed can be planted again. You know, Jesus said that He's here to fulfill the law. Those Ten Commandments matter. If you truly love God with all your heart, those things that want to kill you don't have a place or space to grow. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix them on Him. When you fix your eyes on Him, you'll know how to love not only yourself, but love your neighbor as yourself. You'll be able to function out of a place of selflessness, not selfishness. Your heart will not be to take advantage of others for your selfish gain. When you truly do this, you'll really start to experience the kingdom. You'll really start to experience the kingdom. Romans 6.12 simply says this, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you may obey its desires. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin leads to death. Jesus came a perfect man in the form of God. All of these laws, by the way, if you stuff them up, required a blood sacrifice to get right with God. That's why Jesus died, a perfect sacrifice. He was the final blood that was ever spilt and will ever be spilt. It's because of His blood that we can actually come before God confidently and go, I know I've stuffed up, but because of your son Jesus, you see me as righteous. You forgive me. You've given me a fresh start. You've cleaned me. You've made me white as snow. Only a few weeks ago, we talked about King David and Bathsheba. He fell into adultery, took another man's wife, slept with her. She fell pregnant. He tried to fix it by getting her husband killed tried to make it go away it got even worse the baby dies but David gets to a point in his life where he does which I hope that we will do as well he repents repentance is simply this I was going one way it wasn't working I was living in my sin and I was dying every day and no matter what I did I couldn't get back up and I felt like I was falling in the pit everything burned in me I felt the pain, I felt the darkness, I felt that there was no hope. But in that place where David was, because that was his life, he cried out to God, create in me a new heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God. God forgave him. And in a moment, was lifted out of the fire Jesus the gate said come back in you're now in the city again you're safe here you're restored you're clean you never need to go back there ever again 
That's the gospel. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, this message is so hard to read because we're all guilty of it at some stage in our life. If we're not guilty now, there'll be a moment in our future we may fall in. God, it's hard to have a pure, it's hard to have a pure heart. God, help us. Help us continue to come back to you. I just want to pray for some people right now because I wholeheartedly, as I was preparing this message, I think this is the hardest message I've ever had to write. Hands down, I wrestled over it. I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and said, God, is that the gravity? And he said to me, he said, as you've got to understand the reason this stuff matters is I am holy. Yes, I'm loving, but first and foremost, I am holy. To be in my presence, you also need to be holy. You can't try and be holy. Your holiness comes through Jesus and his blood shed on the cross. Freedom comes through Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au or alternatively, pop into our Redlands location.